Hello, hello, and welcome. I'm Victor Fernandez of Fit Family Foundations, and I'm here to say the foundation of your family's health begins with you. Welcome once again to the Fit Family Foundations podcast. I am your host, Victor Fernandez, and I want to start today's show by saying that there truly are big things going on in Texas. I'm going to tell you why. Because when you hear the phrase, everything is bigger in Texas, that now apparently includes the list of special guests that I have on my show from the Lone Star State. You know, today's guest is my fourth guest from the state of Texas. She hails from Houston, where she lives life to the fullest, personally and professionally, with her husband and their four young children. And when she's not homeschooling her children at their kitchen table or hopping in the RV for their latest adventure, she coaches, serves, and encourages busy women and moms to become 1% better each day to achieve their goals and regain the self-confidence they haven't felt in years. And of course, to become the best version of themselves. Now, she also works in real estate along with her husband where they own 68, yes, you heard me correctly, 68 rental properties. Her business holdings include two fitness businesses, 41 personal, personal rental properties, as well as serving as general partner in a 27 rental property syndication. And along with being a certified personal trainer, nutritionist, and realtor, she holds two master's degrees and as a two-time Council of American Overseas Research Center Scholar, which I will have to ask about because that sounds really, really interesting. So, and, and before I get into the next thing, I'm gonna tell everybody once, and normally I say this in the beginning, but I, I was so excited, I wanted to get started, get on a roll, because there's a lot to unpack here, and, and understandably so. You definitely wanna start, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast yet, it's time to especially with this, with this lady on the show, this, this, let's face it, beast of a woman. She does work. She does serious work. You know, so you definitely want to subscribe. You'll definitely want to like, because I know you're going to like this episode. You want to leave a great review, even if it's not about me, it can be about her. And you want to share it with anyone and everyone you come across. As I'm telling you, she's going to drop a lot of knowledge on you today and a lot of insight. So you're going to want to know when this episode drops. I'm going to tell you as well, but you want to remember anyway. So I wanted to get that out of the way because the coolest aspect of all of this, because it's something resonates, certainly resonates with me. We talked about this off air just a few moments before we started recording. It's very, very soon. And if you're listening to this episode on the day it drops, which is Monday, March 28th, as soon as later this week even, she will add one more title to that already impressive resume published author with the highly anticipated release of, and I have to say this is an absolutely awesome title, riveting title, Confessions of an Unhappy Housewife, How I Changed My Bullshit Stories to Create a Life I Love. That pretty much says it right there, but I, I, I can keep going on, but, otherwise, but I know you want to hear from her, not from me. So please welcome to the show, Kirsten Smith. Kirsten, thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. How are you doing today? I am living the dream, my friend. I, I know I know things are probably a little bit frantic and hectic because you got you know, the launch date coming up here very, very soon. We're recording this a few weeks prior to that, but that doesn't mean the pressure is not on. You know, I'm sure you know, there's a lot of 
I's to dot and T's to cross, you know, but for me, what I want to hear, and I know, and I've heard it, but I want you to share with your audience just the, the absolutely compelling and certainly raw and heartwarming story behind what made this book possible because folks, it's, it's one hell of a story. So I'm gonna just shut up now and let her share it with y'all. I'm happy to share it. <laughs> um, the book is essentially, it's kind of a story of 10 years of me being essentially an unhappy housewife. Um, you know, I was married to a serial entrepreneur. Um, we had, you know, for many years, I was at home focused on raising our kids, pouring into our family. Um, you know, the unending housework and chores and errand running that goes along with having a family. And my husband was really involved in building a business. And that left me feeling a lot of the time, you know, maybe a little bit jealous. He got to interact with other human beings, you know, adults during the day. Um, he got to feel like he was creating something, you know, producing something. He got to see the fruits of his labor. Whereas, you know, I'm at home and I'm making mac and cheese every day, right? I'm, I'm kissing the boo-boos and I'm putting kids to bed and I'm changing diapers and it's incredibly monotonous. And it's really difficult for a lot of moms, I think, to realize okay, you know, I, I'm doing something important. I get it, but you don't get that immediate gratification of, you know, here's, here's the, the manifestation of what I'm doing in the real world. There's not a lot of immediate gratification, right? We're pouring into our family and then hoping that you're not going to raise a serial killer, but we really aren't going to find that out for another 20 years. If we're doing a good job or a bad job, right? We have no performance reviews, quarterly reports, you know, we're not getting a raise or a promotion because we did such a good job. We're really you just should. flying by. <laughs> sure. Agreed, agreed. <laughs> um, but that really just kind of, you know, we lived very much in our own kind of separate spheres. And I don't think that we we realized it was happening at first. So we went through a lot of difficulties in our relationship. Um and, you know, the book is, it's very honest about that kind of how we got back on the same page. Um, you know, part of the issue is that we didn't have a shared vision for our life because I wasn't really contributing to a vision. I was so lost in my present and how overwhelmed I was on a day-to-day -day basis. I couldn't really see the future. One thing that really you just said there at the, right at the very end of, of your, of your, of your thought there was that you didn't have a shared vision because you weren't putting your, your, your part of that shared vision into, into, into effect. And I know for all of us, and, and, I've, and I can relate to a certain, cer certainly to a, a lot large extent what you're talking about, because I felt that about our own family, when in reality, I needed to work on myself before I could even consider working on you know, our marriage, you know, our family, all aspects of it. Because if it doesn't start here, how in the world are we going to fix what's out here in front of us? You know, so how did you go about making that, let's face it, that, that difficult decision to realize I need to work on myself. This is on me. I need to do something about it as opposed to doing what so many people do. Cause it's easy blaming everybody else. Absolutely. I, I think I had to make a really significant mindset shift. I had operated four years 
um, with this attitude that, you know, I've got my cup here and I'm going to pour from my cup. I'm going to support my husband. I'm going to do what he needs to do to build a business. You know, he's, he's busy. He's overwhelmed. He's got a lot of pressure. I'm going to pour out of my cup for my children, right? I'm going to give to them. I'm giving to all these people around me throughout the day. I'm, I'm nurturing so many other people. I'm caring for so many other people. And then I had this attitude that I was going to give myself whatever was left over at the end of the day, right? My needs, my priorities, my well-being, all that stuff went on the back burner. So, you know, for years, my husband would come home in the evening and I had this empty cup, right? I've been bruised and battered throughout the day, wrestling toddlers, doing God knows what. And I had the assumption that he was going to come through the door and he was going to fill my cup, right? Like now it was my turn for someone to give back to me. And that didn't happen. Right. And so that ended up creating a whole lot of resentment because I had this plan that he was going to show up for me in the way that I needed him to. And he wasn't showing up that way. So, you know, fast forward years of this, honestly, and we weren't in a good place at all. And eventually I realized that I couldn't control, I couldn't really, I couldn't make him show up for me the way that I I needed him to, right? I couldn't understand why I was explaining things. I need you to help me with X, Y, or Z, or I need a little bit of space and I was not getting it, right? Or why even worst case scenario, I would get pushback. Why are we having the same argument over and over again, right? Why can you get time to go work out, but I can't get any time like to go to the gym. So basically I had to, I had to realize that it was my responsibility 100% to fill my own cup. And if my cup is empty, there's nobody else to blame for that except for myself. So what I started doing was I started kind of paying myself first with my time and making a mindset shift that it was okay to be a little bit selfish sometimes that I was no good to anybody. I had let it get so bad that I was really not there for my husband. I wasn't there for my kids. I wasn't showing up in life in any way that felt comfortable or good to me. So by taking a more active role and taking full responsibility for filling my cup, I started to feel a little bit better. And once I started to feel a little bit better and I started to feel a little bit more like myself, you know, someone that I hadn't felt like in years, then I started to notice things that he was already doing to show up for me but I'd been so blinded and I'd been so distracted that I hadn't been able to see it for a long time. So I think you're spot on that once you get that internal house in order, right? Once I took responsibility for myself, then everything outside of me started to kind of fall into place. Oh, absolutely. And and it's, it's listening to you. It resonates with me in actually in a, in a couple of different ways, certainly with my own personal transformation, my own personal journey, you know, becoming a better person myself so I could be a better husband, a better father, you know, better in my career, everything that's transpired since then. But it all, I mean, it resonates really fully with me when it comes to my own mother. You know, she's, she is at 76, what you just described, you know, to be honest with you, you know, because she's always been about everyone else. Everyone else had to be taken care of. 
everyone else, I had to make sure that everything was done because everyone else depended on me and it never changed. It never changed. Now, 76 years old, still doing that. You know, my father's a little less than five years removed from his second stroke, you know, and he hasn't done a whole lot to get back at least even remotely close to where he used to be before that. You know, so now it's even more of a pronounced situation where now at 76, when she should be enjoying life and dialing it back and relaxing and enjoying things she, she loves, now she's more a prisoner in her own home, taking care of her husband, you know, and knowing that, you know, one day life will end just like it's been spent for many, many decades up to this point. So when you say that, it really hits home with me you know, which is, you know, so next time I see her, she's going to listen to this episode for, from start to finish, because she, if she's not going to learn it from me, she's going to learn it from someone who's been there, done that. Yep. I call it the mom martyr. We've got a tendency to really martyr ourselves. Right. And we mean, well, mm-hmm. like we, we only do it because we love our families, but I don't think society plays a role in it you know, without a doubt. I think that a lot of moms, especially young moms, the idea is that you sacrifice yourself for your family, right? It's noble and it's worthy to do that. Um, but I don't think that we look at the, the downside to really losing your identity, right? Or even sacrificing your health, your mental well-being, um, all sorts of things for your family. That, that is not in service of your family. Your family deserves the best version of you. That's how it was. Yeah, that's how it was for me too. You know, I mean, 200, almost 250 pounds, you know, a decade, you know, decade, 12 years ago, you know, because I had that mindset that I learned at home, you know, and I don't want to make it seem everybody out there like I'm complaining about my mom. She's the greatest person on this earth, always will be. And people call me a mama's boy, and I'm more than happy to say that I am, you know, but at the same time, I learned that you always put yourself last, not even second, last, you know, and if you had two minutes out of the day to do something for yourself, you still didn't because you felt guilty for doing it. Yes. Yep. That mom guilt. You know, just, you know, it was just the dad guilt. (laughs) There's no, dad martyr doesn't sound quite as good. But it kind, of, it kind of means this. Yeah, it makes it makes complete sense, you know, for me. And it took me a long time. In some ex- to some extent, I'm still dealing with it. I'm still kind of getting past that, you know. Which, you know, I imagine for you, the the cathartic process of writing this book from start to finish. I and mean, we, we've talked about it before. We talked about it before we went on air. You know how. You didn't think you had any business writing a book, even though you had a great story to tell, a very compelling, raw story to tell. So take me through the process of what writing this book did for you and what it's going to do for people once they read it, for those moms out there who can resonate with that story that you just shared and are going to share in your book. Well, I think, you know, one of the masterminds that I belong to, Mm -hmm. um, they really do emphasize writing a book. Mm-hmm. Um, and man, when I learned that, 
I had just probably started being active on social media. Um, you know, I was very private. I could not for the life of me figure out what I would write about. Right. So, I mean, I listened to that advice and I thought, well, that's for everybody else in this room. That's not for me because I've been a stay at home mom for the last 10 years. Like now I have this little, you know, fitness coaching business, but what have I really built? What have I accomplished? Right. I mean, I was working on a PhD and then I withdrew. So like, I didn't even really finish that. So what kind of credibility do I have? Who am I to write a book and think that people would be at all interested in it? So I kept that frame of mind for a long time, which was just, it was imposter syndrome, right? And I think we all struggle with that to an extent. It it really never goes away. And maybe it shouldn't go away, right? It does kind of, it, it keeps things interesting for us. But I went to an event months later And, you know, one of the speakers was talking about that little voice in the back of your head all the time. And he's like, I don't care, you know, who you are in here. Every single one of us has that little voice in the back of your head. And so his, his speech was interesting because he said, I'm going to throw something out at you. Now this could be crazy, but what if you were a prophet? What if that little voice in the back of your mind that's talking to you? that has the lessons that you've learned, the things you've been through, everything that you have to share. What if you're a prophet and you're, you're doing someone a disservice because you're ignoring that voice. So that kind of hit me and I thought, well, I have one of those little voices. Yeah. And it, it talks to me quite a bit. Um, like maybe somebody could benefit from some of the things that I've been through. And it took me a while to kind of, you know, work through logically how it would, how it would play out in a book. Um, but yeah, I realized that the best thing that I could do is, you know, go through difficult times in life and turn them in to something that could potentially help eliminate that for somebody else. Wow. (laughs) That's I know for me, you know, that says a lot because it's not an easy thing to do, you know, to listen. Yeah, I think we all have to a certain extent that little voice inside our heads there that we can't, that we only choose to ignore, but we can't ignore, you know, and it always speaks the truth. Now, whether we listen to it or not is a completely different story. And I know for me, I chose to ignore it, hoping it would go away, you know, for a long, long time, you know, for you. You know, when you started to listen to that voice, how much did within your business, obviously the, your niche, the people you work with are busy moms and women who in, I'm sure in a lot of respects certainly resonate with the story you tell. I know you share it on social media. I'm sure you, you share it with your clients one-on-one. How much have you gotten back from them saying, hey, I know what you're saying. Here's my story. How much do you hear that? How much did that help you in the process? Oh, it's been huge. Absolutely huge. So being able to have that back and forth, number one, gave me the confidence to realize that my story isn't actually unique, that so many people go through this feeling of, you know, losing your identity, being completely overwhelmed, 
you know, especially if you're married to a high achiever, you know, who's off at, you know, working on his own personal development. And then here you are at home with kids feeling like you're withering into nothing, mm-hmm. right? While he's growing and changing and developing. Um, and it really creates that gap. I've talked to a lot of women and I've talked to a lot of men now who have that same dynamic at play in their relationship. And being able to talk to some of my clients about that struggle, you know, about some of the stories that they've told themselves. I mean, the most common one is I don't have time, mm-hmm. right? We bust through that one all the time and being able to, to know where they're coming from, speak the language of a really busy mom of young kids, not understanding where you're going to find the time and then realize that there's a different way of looking at it, where you're going to prioritize making the time, not finding it. Like that back and forth generally has created this like lightness and airiness. And some of these women that I work with, which is honestly, that is the best part, I think, because once they realize and like it clicks that maybe one of these stories isn't true after all, then I think that they start subconsciously asking, well, what other stories might I be holding as true that are not actually true? What am I assuming is real that's not serving me anymore? Like, what if I let that go? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. When did you feel like you let that go? Because I, I mean, I have to, obviously we haven't known each other for, for too, too long. You know, basically, say, you know, in the in the time after I started working, you know, with Jonathan, which would have been last summer, and so I've I've seen this Kristen, who's very outspoken and rightfully so, you know, has a lot to share and isn't afraid of what someone might say or how someone may treat you because of what you said. You know, you just come out and say it because it's your truth. You believe in it, and you're going to share it with people and Let's face it, to hell with the rest of them. You know, it, it is what it is. You know, so which I can appreciate because that's me to a T. You know, I'm going to say what I have to say, and somebody can say it back to me, and we can agree to disagree, and we're going to be civil about it until we're not. You know, so until someone gives me a reason not to be. You know, so so take me through the transformation, if you will, to having that voice, but not letting it out to now letting it out in all its glory, no matter what anybody else says, which I find absolutely refreshing, to be honest with you. Well, I appreciate that. Um, you know, it was not an overnight kind of thing. It was not a quick transformation. I think I struggled with this throughout all of 2019, part of 2020, even before I fully kind of committed to just be me, right? Get all my crap together, figure out who I was, get really just maybe uncomfortably comfortable with who I am. Um, Figure out, you know, the areas where I felt like I was coming up short and holding myself to a higher standard. So all these things kind of happened. You know, I, I stacked a lot of these things until I gained confidence. Cause I was coming from a place where I didn't have a lot of self-confidence. You know, I wasn't comfortable to say something and then just be unapologetically me 
because I wasn't confident about who I was, right? Like I use the example, I didn't wake up at the same time every day. I didn't always wake up before my kids. They were waking me up. My hair was on fire. I was barely getting them fed and out the door. I couldn't get myself fed. Things were coming in between, you know, me and a time to work out. And I was, I was always coming up with excuses for things. I didn't have any good winning habits. I didn't have any discipline in life. And as I started following through on the things that I said were important to me, that was, I think the biggest thing that changed in my life. I said a lot of things were important to me, right? I want to lose this baby weight, right? I want to, I want to regain my, my pre-baby body and feel confident again but I didn't do anything about it. Right. I still drank a bunch of wine at night, sometimes in the late afternoon, let's be honest. You know, I ate all the goldfish. I ate all the kids snacks and still told myself, Oh, I'm eating pretty clean, but it was, it was garbage. So once I started establishing discipline and I started creating good habits, then I started feeling like I could trust myself again. Right. I was someone who said, that things were important to me. And I actually followed through on them for once. And so I started to feel like I knew myself again, I could trust myself. So then when I had a thought and I felt, you know, really compelled to share something and I felt like it was absolutely accurate, then I didn't, I didn't second guess myself the way that I used to. Right. So it's made me very comfortable just being me and I'm okay. If people don't like me, which has also worked out really well because I'm not trying to have everyone like me. It's okay. Right. But the people that like me and the people that I like, like we're tight. I know you mentioned one thing a little earlier that I think to me is shows the chasm like difference between I want and I am, you know, because yeah, we all want a lot of things. But are, I mean, but are we willing to do something about it? And you see that every day. I know you run into it. I know I run into it in, in, the, in the businesses that we're in, you know, because it takes a lot of strength and it takes accepting the fear to say, I want this, I am going to do this and let's get it done. You know, and, and that doesn't make anybody necessarily braver than somebody else. It just means they're willing to push through the fear and do it anyway. Mm-hmm. They're willing to risk failure. Well, I wrote that. To, it was funny because just early, I mean, if we're recording this. What's today's date? Today is the 7th of March. I don't even know what day it is half the time. But uh, I wrote something. I posted something earlier today where I said, you know, because you hear it a lot. You know, you're not you don't want to you don't want to try. You don't want to start because you're afraid to fail. But what happens, what happens when you don't try, when you don't start, you fail. And somebody wrote back to me, what is this hard, you know, a hard truth Monday? I was like, well, yeah, okay, maybe it is. You know, because, you know, sometimes that truth has to smack you in the face for you to wake up and realize that you keep talking about stuff, but don't want to do anything about it. Without a doubt. Yeah. I think that, Fear keeps people comfortable, mm-hmm. right? And we are, we're programmed to avoid failure, mm-hmm. right? Biologically speaking, we don't want to fail at things. We want to stay safe and comfortable. 
And I like to use the example of a couple of years ago, I did 75 hard for the first time, right? I'm sure most people listening are familiar with the program, but you've got to run through your tasks every single day. You miss the tasks. Then you start over on day one. Mm -hmm. I was on day 72 and I forgot to take a progress picture. I was, I was distraught, right? Cause I'd put forth all this effort and I thought I failed, right? I was so close to finishing and I failed and I struggled with that. Just the word of failing. Mm-hmm. And I like to tell my clients about this because as I kind of set with that feeling of failure, I realized that in the last 72 days, I had created a ton of discipline in my life and a six pack. Like I was lean. I had low body fat. I was PRing on all my lifts. I was crushing building a business. I was crushing all sorts of personal development work. I'd read, I lost count of how many books, but yet I failed. Realistically, if I hadn't risked that failure, like I think we think about things traditionally, we think of failure the wrong way because mm-hmm. if you're standing in the middle, we think failures on one side and success is on the other side, right? So if you try and you fail, now you've moved farther away from success, but that's not at all how it works, right? Failure is just a stopping point on the way to success, right? So how can we fail faster? How can we fail more efficiently? Get the lessons in that failure, apply them so that we can get on to success even faster. Cause I wasn't farther away from my goals because I failed, right? Like I was crushing my goals still. I mean, you were three days away from the ultimate success, you know, completing it. So, and I, I like to say that for a lot of, a lot of people, people like you and I, and the people that we kind of run with, and I know you run in bigger circles than even I do with apex and all that, you know, and that's what I aspire to, you know, but, you know, for a lot of, for a lot of us, for all of us, really, our failures can be, are further along than some people's successes, you know, because in today's society, we have this viewpoint on failure and we, and you, you just said it eloquently, what, you know, what it means to a lot of people when it's completely wrong, the same thing goes for success. What we view as success, it's just comfort. You know, we talk, I mean, we talk about, I know Mark and, and, and Jonathan talk about it all the time, you know, if what you're shooting for, if what your goal is, doesn't pucker a certain set of cheeks, you're not thinking big enough. But for a lot of people, they set the, they set the bar so low. So when they achieve it to that, hey, I'm successful. But really, what did they achieve? Just staying comfortable. Yeah. There's a difference between goals and a to-do list, right? Yeah. That's, that's, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. I did want to ask you, because in this kind of segues into talking about the confidence that you've generated within yourself. And I can see it. We all can see it. I know my audience can hear it, you know, and they're going to resonate with it and they're going to learn from it. But I, it was a, it was a, I think it was a, one of your Facebook stories. I don't want to say in the last, last week or two from when we were recording when you were talking about how you share your viewpoints online. And I I watch them all because whether we agree or not, to me is irrelevant. To me, I wanna hear what you have to say because I can learn from it. I hope when I have something to say, people learn from it too. Whether we agree or not, doesn't matter to me. 
And it's not one of those, well, I hate you now because we think differently or no, it's, it's none of that. I'm glad. <laughs> you're smart. You're an intelligent woman. I'm an intelligent man. We don't have to agree to share, you know, intelligent thoughts. Right. And to have, and have a calm, rational, you know, healthy conversation, whether we're on the same side of some random line, you know, so, but you talked about, which is something that I, that really, you know, resonated with me. And I was like, damn girl, shoot your shot, drop the mic, you know, seriously. Actually, I said it, I said it even, even harsher than that, but uh, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep it PG for this one, you know, uh, because you talked about how you have lost, you know, close, you know, personal friends, you were vilified by people simply because of the way you think, the way you believe, and the fact that you put it out there and you put yourself out there to face criticism where most people, yeah, everybody may like them, but you never really know where they stand because they never open their mouth to share it long enough to let you know. So talk about that, what that meant for you to, to get it off your chest and to say that. And what was the reaction after that? Um. <laughs> I know exactly what you're referencing. I, uh, I, I was going to, yes, I was going to write a Facebook post the other morning, and my husband was like, "Oh my God, Kirsten, you can't post that! Yeah, Holy smokes!" Is. And so I deleted it. And but of course, and everyone's like, "I want to know. I want what were you going to post?" Um, and I mean, I'll caveat here. I think I'm a pretty jovial, kind individual. All right, so I wasn't like trying to be nasty or anything, mm -hmm. but. I, I did post a, a story on Instagram that elaborated on it. And it essentially, I think I am not, let me think of a nice way to phrase this. Over the last two years, a lot has gone on in the last two years. Okay. And some people were very risk averse. Okay. I am not very risk averse. My husband's not very risk averse. Um, I chose for my family that it was the right thing for us to take some risks and continue to live our life. Right. I, I wasn't overly fearful of getting sick. Um, I wanted to preserve as much normal life for my kids because having four kids, they all had different reactions, right? different ages. Some kids handled it just fine. Other kids did not handle it just fine. Um, so I wanted life to be normal for them. So we went on RV trips. We went all over the country. I mean, my husband and I traveled internationally and like, didn't really participate in this stuff. They put mask mandates on our school. So I pulled my kids out of school and we started homeschooling. So we travel whenever we want. And I was, you know, throughout 2020 and 2021, whenever there was raging hypocrisy where all of our elected leaders and unelected bureaucrats were making rules for us, but then they were skirting the rules. They were traveling, you know, they were going to get their hair cut. They were going to restaurants. They were living life perfectly normally. Um, I, I called it out and I was very vocal about it. Mm -hmm. And that led me to lose friends. Cause that wasn't very popular in, you know, the second half of 2020 and first half of 21, probably until people started to really fatigue. Um, it wasn't popular. My kids lost friends. Um, you know, kids couldn't come over to have birthday cake 
for a kid's birthday, but yet they can go to school and they can sit at the school cafeteria with no mask, just stuff that was really just, you know, uh, we want to make a point, Mm -hmm. which I think is unnecessary. Right. And I think it was really unfair what we put kids through for the last two years. So I, I basically said that, right. I, I watched my neighbors get on Facebook groups and talk about how we needed to worry about all these safety protocols while they were letting their kids have sleepovers. Like I saw all the hypocrisy in it and I don't do well with hypocrisy. Honesty is a core value. Um, I just don't take kindly to that. It's fine. Like if you're legitimately scared, then like I was, I was worried for you, right? I will keep you in my thoughts and prayers because that's not any way to go through life, but don't tell me that you're legitimately scared and you can't do X, Y, and Z while you're going on vacation and your kids are having sleepovers and you're acting like everything's perfectly normal that I can't get behind. So I kind of put that out there and the response was really good. I mean, I can't tell you how many people received, um, you know, a lot of hate over the last two years for living life the way that was, that felt right for them and for their family. And that kind of comported best with their personal levels of risk assessment. And, you know, tons of people sent messages back and they were like, I had the same thing. And I've got people now, now that this is kind of, you know, for the most part, a lot of stuff's getting swept under the rug. Um, you know, a lot of the mandates and requirements are going by the wayside pretty quickly here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now people want to be friends again. And a lot of people were like, no, never, never, ever again, after the way that you've treated me and after how you really fed into a lot of this, like, but there's no going back. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and for me, I can, I can understand that because to be honest, I think my mindset has shifted a little bit towards what you just, what you were just talking about, you know, like after two years, enough is enough as, as far as I'm concerned. But for the longest time for me, it was, I'm going to do what I think is best for me and my family. You do what you think is best for your family. If it doesn't agree, so what? Right. It's kind of the way I looked at it. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm never going to begrudge someone for thinking differently than me. I'm not going to begrudge someone for doing what they think is best for their family. You know, you, you did what you thought is best. And whether we agree on it or not, you know what? It's, if, if it's what works for you, more power to you. That's cool with me. Not that you need my approval or anything. You know, but had it been a sort of live and let live situation, then that would have been great, right? Mm -hmm. You wouldn't have had these things where, you know, neighbors and friends turned on each other, family cut family members out because, well, well, you're not vaccinated. Like we're talking family, right? (laughs) Like that stuff shouldn't happen, but there was an orchestrated effort to make it not about personal responsibility Mm -hmm. and make it about signaling whether or not you were taking care of humanity writ large, mm-hmm. right? Like that's why, well, my mask isn't for me. My mask is for you and you wear your mask for me. Everything was a signal of how morally virtuous and caring you were. So it couldn't just be, you know, live and let live. Let me, let me do me, you do you boo. Like that was not, that was not going to fly. Yeah. I know it's, to be honest, I found it amusing at times. I mean, I always like try to find some semblance of humor in everything, because let's face it, if we don't do that, we'll drive ourselves batty. You know, we really will. 
you know, so, so for me, I tell people all the time, you know, when you keep hearing all these pundits and they said bureaucrats and politicians and all them, and don't even get me started on politicians. I think they're all nuts and all in it for themselves. I'm going to say that right there. People don't like it. So be it, but maybe it'll drive up interest in the show. Who knows? We'll see. You know, but people, you know, people love controversy. You know, so for me, it was, you know, having people on TV or just in general, just in, just in society telling me to wash my hands as if I wasn't doing that already. And, and I, took, I look at people with this quizzical look on my face, like, um, shouldn't we have already been doing that? Uh, what are they going to teach us next? Our shapes and colors? I mean, this is kindergarten shit. You know, that we're learning here. It's, it's stuff that we should have already been doing all along, you know, so that, <laughs> that's what got to me was more, it's, it's nonsensical stuff, you know, when it comes to everything, again, I'm the same, I, I'm, I've been the same way from day one. You do what you think is best for your family, I'm going to do the same, and you know, we're still family, we're still friends, and that's the end of it. You know, I mean, hey, you can believe what you want to believe, and that's great. That's what makes this a free country, you know, that we can believe what we want to believe. But it's gotten to a point where it becomes so personal. Yeah. When it really isn't. It's nope. political. Yeah, yep. so I mean, I don't know about you, but all this stuff, like, my interactions on a day-to-day -day basis are with people from, you know, across the spectrum. Mm -hmm. And... I meet phenomenal people all the time. Like I said, we've been RVing for the last few years with the kids and meeting people all over the place with different backgrounds, different socioeconomic status, it, different skin colors. It doesn't matter. Like in the real world, people get along, you know, and it's so funny to watch sort of the intentional divide and grouping people into groups and then trying to convince us that we don't like each other. You hit, the, you hit the nail on the head with the one word, intentional. Oh, yeah. And they're doing it intentionally. Because if we're fight, Kirsten, if you and I are at odds and we're fighting each other, who are we forgetting about? Yep. And they're going and they're all sitting there laughing, saying we got them right where we want them and we can continue doing what we're doing to make ourselves better. Usually financially. Without a doubt. Yeah. So, but yeah, but even if we didn't think that way, even if we thought differently, same thing, we're having an honest, refreshing, healthy conversation. So for those of you out there who feel the need to argue with each other, listen to this episode. I'll even post the video. You can watch us smiling, you know, talking back and forth. I know it's going to seem like a foreign concept. I get it because you haven't seen that a whole lot over the past couple of years. But if we're going to go get back to that quote unquote normalcy, being able to interact with one another has to be the first thing that goes back, you know, goes back to normal. And until then, it never will be. Yeah, yep, so, I agree. <laughs> take me through, we're going to switch gears a bit. Take me through, you talked earlier about, you know, the, the old tried and true excuse of, I don't have time. I'm too busy. For you, I mean, we, I mean, like I said, I, you know, we rattled off, I rattled off at the, at the start of the show, everything that you, I mean, that's, I'm sure that's just a small portion of it too. You know, how do you, we always talk about managing time and being intentional with our time. 
How do you go about doing it when you're a, your wife, you're a mother, you're a teacher, you're homeschooling your children, you know, you're, you, you have successful businesses. Obviously you love to travel. There's a lot going on, a lot to unpack there. How do you keep it all together and continue moving forward in life? The calendar, man, the calendar. <laughs> I, um, I really resisted this idea of kind of time blocking and scheduling my days. Me too. Um, it, it felt really restrictive, especially with little kids, right? Because I mean, they can mess up your day on a whim, right? Mm. Somebody wakes up and has a stomach bug today. What are you going to do? So I felt like I needed a lot of flexibility. So the way that I kind of dipped my toe in the water was to set up like a seven by seven grid, right? Seven days of the week. And I did like seven time blocks from the time I wake up to the time I went to bed. So two to three hour blocks that gave me enough flexibility in my day. So I could really figure out, okay, I've got to tackle these things like between five and seven, once all the kids are up at seven, then, you know, all bets are off, but I need that deep work time. You know, where, what's my, where are my top three items on my to-do list? How am I differentiating between the three things that are really going to move the ball down the field today and things like going to get an oil change, right? It, all that stuff has to be done, but I started treating it like, you know, the analogy of having you got a bucket and you got all your rocks and then you got all your sand, right? If you pour all your sand in the bucket first, and then you try to fit the big rocks in, they're not going to fit, put the big rocks in first. Then you pour the sand on top sand will, you know, find its way around the rocks. Everything fits. So I had to identify what in my life, what were the big rocks? And for me, it's, you know, it's anything that is kind of relationship stuff because that's honestly, it's why we're here. So it makes life worth living. So it's date night with my husband weekly. It's the date with myself to go to the gym, get a little bit of alone time and take care of my health and fitness. That goes on my calendar. First thing it is device free time with my kids, right? Friday night, taco and family movie night. It's on my schedule. Like I literally get an alert 10 minutes before it's scheduled on my calendar because other things should not bump those things right? All the sand like things, all the meetings, the returning of emails, all the calls, all that stuff is the sand that can filter around the big rocks. So I think being really intentional about how I sort of set that schedule up to make the, the best use of my time, make sure that I was prioritizing the things that are the biggest ROI, right? Feeding those relationships and not feeding emails you know, paying attention to how much time realistically am I spending, you know, scrolling Instagram reels. Like maybe I need to set a timer on that because that time will, it'll run away on you. Mm -hmm. How much time each week am I spending doing something like folding laundry? Well, I brought podcasts. somebody in. <laughs> <laughs> this week is a, it's a podcast heavy week. This week. <laughs> no, this is good. Um, but no, I brought somebody in to just like help fold laundry, right? So like, where can you use money to buy more time so that instead of doing $10 an hour tasks, you're doing the hundred dollar an hour or the thousand dollar an hour tasks. And that took me a long, long time to learn. Hmm, hundred dollar, thousand dollar. That sounds familiar. Where have we heard that before? Hmm. <laughs> 
And, and you know, if he's listening to this, which I'm sure he does, he's laughing right about now. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Without a doubt. He's, say, he's saying, hell yeah. <laughs> they did listen. Of course. Of course. Yeah, you know, it's a proud papa. You know, his children have, you know, have, uh, have gone off into the world and taken the lessons he's taught us, Jonathan. I like to throw the name in there. Jonathan Loudermilk. <laughs> well, we're almost wrapping this up because we could go on for a while, especially if we were talking politics. We could go on for hours. <laughs> we, we certainly could. Uh, but one final question before we wrap things up. Put on your prognosticator's hat. Project for me a little bit. You know, you've made such a transformation, such growth over the past few years and certainly in the last year or two with everything you've done and, and continue to do where do you see yourself a year five ten years down the road especially 10 years when your kids are older and you have a little they don't want to have anything to do with you like mine i'm just kidding you know and, they, and you have more time on your hands because of it <laughs> oh man well i think i had a whole bunch of kids so that that kicks that can down the road i realized tooth fairy came the other night and I was like, man, I've been doing the tooth fairy thing for a while now. And I have two kids that haven't even lost their first tooth yet. So I'm going to keep doing it for a while. <laughs> um, so yeah, my, my youngest will be 12 in 10 years. So I think, you know, in the next one year, I would like to quadruple my business, my gross revenue. Um, I would like to find the most efficient way to reach as many women as possible. I rolled out a group coaching program, which has worked really well and allowed me to scale my time really effectively. Um, in the next three years, we have a goal to buy a big piece of land, get out of the city, probably rent this house I'm sitting in and you know, take our RV, travel around, I would love to do three to six months in the RV, go explore, you know, all the national parks out West and just make those memories with the kids, right. While they're still young enough to be able to do that. And we have everybody together. Um, and then man, 10 years, <laughs> um, I will say, I don't ever want to fly private again. So in 10 years, I better be regularly traveling via private jet. <laughs> there, you go. there you go i'm, I'm done with commercial airlines <laughs> well not unless you plan on getting to a fight on you know on board you know because it happens you got a better chance you got a lesser chance of winning the lottery than it is of uh, actually getting into a fight on a, on, a, on a on a plane right these days which is just another don't get me started on that kind of topic you know in and of itself you know for sure for sure well this has been awesome i've been you know, i've been I've been I've been wanting to be honest. I've been wanting to ask you for a while, but when I had heard your interview with Jonathan and Marcus, all right, now's the time. Books coming, which was like again, I didn't know that up until not too long ago, just when that when that episode came out and when you and you wrote your original post about launching a book, I was like, damn, all right, well that's my sign. You know, I I was looking for a sign, and you know, by God, I got one. You know, so which is awesome. That's great. Congratulations. I know it's going to be. I know I'm going to read it. And I know I'm not going to be by far the only one. I don't, you don't have to be a mom, guys, to read it. Trust me. You'll resonate with what's being said because I know I do. You That's know, the hope. You know, so you'll guys, don't think this is for moms only or for women only. Trust me. 
you'll you'll take away a lot of tidbits of good information from you know from her book as well. So before we wrap things up, tell everyone where they can find you, the laundry list of website and Facebook and Instagram and all that fun stuff. All the socials, man. Kirsten Smith on Facebook. I am the Kirsten Smith on Instagram. Um, I've got a Facebook group, which I think I gave you. You can put in the show notes. Uh, Healthy Moms, uh, Eat Right, Stay Fit, Live Well. I always forget the second half of it. Um, feel free to reach out to me, either DM on social media. I'm always around or Kirsten at kirstensmith.com. If you want to shoot me an email. Okay, there you go. <laughs> and, and there you have it again. This has been, this has been great. You know, I've learned a ton, not just about things that resonate with me, but about you as well, you know, which is great. I feel like we're a little bit, a little bit closer now. You know, that's what the podcasts do for us, you know, the podcasts and, and we're in different, we're in a couple of groups together and that sort of thing. Not the big wig groups. I'm not quite there yet, you know, but uh, I'm getting, I'm going to get there though. See, I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. So, uh, but this has been great. I, I certainly appreciate it. Everyone, once again, subscribe, like, leave a great review. You're going to want to listen to this episode and every episode, but certainly this one as well. And I'm sure the way things are going, there's probably a dozen or 200 more people from Texas that'll be appear on my show at, at some point in time or another over the next few years, because uh, it just seems, and I'm not even doing that on purpose. It's just happening that way. It's just, maybe I need to move to Texas and just do the podcast from there and there have, you go. have everybody come on. But uh, once again, folks, Kristen, uh, Kristen, Kirsten, uh, I see I had me saying Kirsten, I'm going to say Kirsten later. Kirsten, <laughs> I appreciate you being on. Thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure talking with you. Once again, folks, Kirsten Smith, thank you again. And as always, folks, I, le I leave this show every way. And this is a great time to say it because of all, everything Kirsten has shared with us today. Generational health begins with you. Take care, everyone. Hello, hello, and welcome. I'm Victor Fernandez of Fit Family Foundations, and I'm here to say the foundation of your family's health begins with you.